Hey everyone and welcome back to the Rumcast. My name is John Gulla and reuniting with me once again is Will Hookinga and together we are the podcast that talks all things rum related with the people who love and shape it. We do have a great feature interview episode today from a distillery on the island of Reunion that is uh, making waves you might say in the US and Europe with a pair of recent releases by independent bottler La Maison and Velier and we thought hey two releases recently why not bring on two representatives right yeah why not um i i, I think the the only thing people may quibble with in your intro is is uh calling la maison an independent bottler i think they prefer the term dependent bottler but oh uh, that's true. anyway I, I think listeners get the gist of, of of what it is they've seen those releases around lately the two the two asadier releases and we'll certainly get in depth on those during the interview and uh, shared some of our own thoughts on those as well. We got a chance to try those both, both really, really good rums. And I I think I'm seeing a lot of positive reactions out there to those right now. So it was really fun to talk to Jan and and Marie uh, about that and everything they're doing there. But John, you know what's on my mind right now? We're we're having what, what is commonly referred to up here as our first false fall of the season. Oh. So it's that time of year where I know you don't really have seasons nope. so much down there in Miami, but it is hot as heck right now. Yeah. False fall is when you get a sudden early onset of fall like weather. And it's super early for that to happen here. We've had temperatures in the mid seventies in August, the past hmm. two days, just middle of August. That does not happen very often in Nashville. And so anyway, when those fall temperatures start coming in, the first thing I think of is football season is almost here. It's just kind of a nostalgic thing from my childhood growing up Mm -hmm. in college football country. But those feelings have been replaced because last year we started a new tradition on this podcast. And now, instead of thinking about football, the thing that's on my mind is the second annual Rumcast Fantasy Rum Draft is almost here. And so my only question for you is, have you been studying? Without a doubt, I've been studying. <laughs> N- not only, so you mentioned, yes, it's it's f- fantasy football team also, and I have some fantasy football teams I've been studying for, but let me tell you what's taking precedent right now is starting to study some rum websites and see mm-hmm. what's in the in the out there that we might be able to, to pull together that I can pull a team that's going to definitely 100% beat the crap out of yours this time. <laughs> well, I, you know, it was kind of... Uh kind of an embarrassing showing last year for you so that's why i wanted to know if you're, you're spending a little extra time strategizing uh, i don't know that i'd call it embarrassing what you won by like oh, yeah. a few votes what was it something a, like a that a few i think it was maybe a few hundred i think is, no, uh, is what God. happened we'll wow. have to pull we'll have to pull the results back up but anyway that is something that's around the corner something we had a really good time doing last year had a bunch of great reactions to it and of course we always let the listeners you the people determine the winner of who assembles the best made up roster of rums so it's essentially we're each creating our own private rum bar from a mm-hmm. predetermined selection we take turns drafting picks and we see who comes up with the best one. We talk a little trash. Uh, we came up with some good rules. We have a good foundation from last mm-hmm. year. So I'm excited to build on that this year. I think we'll, we'll probably have a few new ideas. I think we're going to use a different online store for the inventory this year. So mix up the available rums, that kind of thing. So something that I'm definitely looking forward to. And I think that should be coming in, uh, in the next few weeks. We gotta, we've got to get that on the calendar, but that episode should be coming soon. But in the meantime... I had a, a great episode last week. Have loved seeing the 
reactions coming in from our lazy rum cocktails for summertime. Gotten a number of people throwing in their go-to lazy rum cocktails, which has been great to see. Pretty awesome Um, to see all of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I wanted to to shout out a few other recipe ideas we got in real quickly before we get into the interview, but Chris Bailey over on our Patreon left a comment saying that his go-to cocktail, he has two, actually. One is a classic grog recipe, which is uh, two ounces of rum of choice, a quarter ounce rich simple syrup, a quarter ounce fresh lime juice, a little ground nutmeg, and a big ice cube just kind of stirred together in the glass with the ice cube last. So that's actually, that's not something I've done. And I, I think my own definition of lazy rum cocktails, it didn't allow for, for fresh citrus. So I may have to make an exception to, to try to throw that in the rotation and see what happens. Uh, Chris also recommended the dark and stormy, which I didn't talk about in our episode, but is another mm-hmm. one of my go-to cocktails. Love just, you know, ginger beer, rum, can't go wrong. Um, but on the note of ginger beer, uh, Mike Streeter, who was a guest recently, he commented and said uh, his go-to is Mount Gay Eclipse with ginger ale for his lazy drink. So I hadn't thought of mixing ginger ale before. For some reason, ginger ale is the drink that comes to my mind of like something I have when I have an upset stomach. You know, it's like, I don't know what, what if, if your mom when you were a kid was like, oh, you're yeah. not feeling well, have some ginger ale. But that was kind of a standard remedy in my house. So that's what I associate it with. But it's probably good. So maybe I should try that sometime, too. Yeah, I think I'm, I was of the same kind of thing growing up. Ginger ale was what you drank when when your stomach hurt or whatever. But yeah. I have to say, I love ginger ale. And yeah. honestly, I think Mike's right. I wow. prefer it to ginger beer. I know that might be heresy for, for some people to hear. But I think ginger beer is just a little bit more robust. And maybe I'll grow into it over time because I'm mm-hmm. new to kind of mixing with ginger beer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the ginger ale and rum experience. Is, is, it hits right for me. All right. So, uh-huh. Mike, yep, yep. You and I, Florida boys, we're, <laughs> we're down for the same thing. I'll have to try it. But um, yeah, what, what about you? Did you see any any interesting any, any any interesting reactions, anything? Did you have anyone making angry daiquiris? So I wish I could tell you, Will, that people were making angry daiquiris all over the place. But sadly, that's not the case because uh, it seems like everybody's making Willis's punch. <laughs> uh, and, and I wasn't and trying to s- so. I wasn't trying to set you up for that. But um, <laughs> we, we did see quite a few like really great looking Willis's yeah. punches. Uh, yeah. Better than the better looking than the ones that I make. People were throwing a, you know, the pineapple frond garnish mm-hmm. in there and everything. It's making me want to step my game up. But um, you but you may have been slight. You needed a highly specialized fruit the sour orange for yours which i think you have to you know live in a specific part of the world or part of the country in in order to source those fresh so you were at a little bit of a disadvantage there yeah i I think you might be right there and also you know daiquiri is a daiquiri it's still i don't know if like you were saying it qualifies as being a lazy cocktail since you do have to dirty the cocktail shaker and it is true that's a pain in the ass to clean afterwards (laughs) so i get i get where willis's punch has its strengths to be honest well I know before we started recording, you pointed out that this is apparently International Rum Rum Day that we're recording this on August 16th. So do you have any special plans for International Rum Day? I I don't. I'll just go ahead and spoil that now. Okay, okay. I don't keep track of all these various days and things, so I, I wasn't aware it was happening until today. I see it all over the social media feeds, and I'm not really sure. I see it's both International Rum Day and National Rum Day. Why not? So 
<laughs> sure. But August 16th, we're recording this on, by the way, National Rum Day, International Rum Day. And people are definitely remarking the occasion with lots of things, and they're showing it on social media, which I think is great. It's always great to have a, a nice excuse to have uh, sure. a good rum or a good rum cocktail, right? Sure. For me, it's it's one of the busiest weeks of the year over at the university, and it happens to be my birthday tomorrow. So oh. I'm... I'm kind of, yeah, thank you. I kind of, I'm deferring, you would say, National Rum Day to the okay. weekend. I'm going to take some leisure with that. And, and uh, I'm going to celebrate, I think, by doing a cocktail, believe it or not. Will. Wow. Yes. Well, first of all, happy early birthday. But second of all, do you, is this a special cocktail that you have in mind that you've been planning? Or are you just thinking co- cocktail in general? Well, no, no. I do have a a qualifier that I want. Okay. I want to do a smoked rum cocktail. Now, I've oh, talked about okay. this in the past. I have some of the equipment. I have both a cloche that I okay. could do smoking with, which uh-huh. I believe that's the right word. I think so. And I, I also have the one that goes like right on top of the glass, and you can kind of do it, and the smoke kind of pours down into it. That's oh, it has like a, like a hose or something like that? No, no, that's the other one. That's the cloche one. It has like a hose that oh, kind of connects okay. in. Right. This one just lets the smoke kind of drop down so you like put it right onto the the rim of the glass okay and you light a little bit of wood chips right on the top there and it's got like a little thing that holds them and somehow the smoke kind of just filters down into the drink and it works there's a there's a few different brands that have done this out there i'm sure you've seen it somewhere and it works pretty good i've done it before but the only drink i've ever done it for is a smoked rum old-fashioned yeah yeah which makes sense, right? Sure. It's in like the right glass to do it in. It's just a classic smoked drink that I like, and I love imparting that smoke flavor. Sure. Here's here's the part where I need help. Okay. I need some some rum cast sourcing here of understanding what else can I do on a smoked rum cocktail. So like. What else is there besides the old fashioned that I can put together fairly easily? Don't need a ton of esoteric things to do, yeah. and that still has that smoky flavor to it because that's what I'm looking for. Well, I'm sure the listenership out there can come up with better ideas than me. But off the top of my head, the first thing that came to me was a rum Manhattan, perhaps. Yes. I think is you may have already thought of that, too, but kind of similar, you know, spirit forward vein as an old fashioned. That might work well. For some reason, the first place my mind goes is to spirit forward cocktails for smoking. I feel like I haven't seen that technique used as much with citrusy cocktails. Right. And I maybe I just haven't seen it, or maybe there's a reason. Maybe it doesn't work as well. I'm not sure, but maybe something for people to, uh, you know, the the bar professionals out there. Please reach out and let us know the ins and outs of smoking rum cocktails and what John should do, other than yeah. you know the same old boring rum, old fashioned. Exactly. And the other thing that came to mind was this fat washing technique, which is oh, the yeah. opposite of doing like the lazy cocktail. Yeah, right? that you is. You got to put some work in. Yeah, but I've I'm, never done I'm just, that. Yeah, I'm intrigued by the concept. And it doesn't seem to be too difficult, so it might be something that I get into this weekend and report back on. We'll see. How I have done milk. I I've done milk washing before huh. to make like a milk punch, a clarified milk punch, and uh, it's pretty fun actually. And and those yeah. are tasty. There's some good. Uh, there's some like clarified pina colada recipes out there that mm. look cool. I haven't made one of those, but yeah, that's that's kind of fun and a little bit wild to do when you're straining all like the curdled milk out and you end up with this perfectly clear, you know. Uh, yeah. the, the one that I made was red tinged because I think of some Ooh. tea that I used in it. It was it was it was really nice. I was pleased with it. But yeah, yeah if you get into fat washing, that's that's pretty advanced. I've never you got to freeze it. Then you got to like 
you know, filter it out. There's a lot of steps involved there. So you're really signing yourself up for a lot on your, yeah. your birthday weekend. Will, I'm known for diving into the deep end. So <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes yeah. you just you just go and see what happens. And I, I always know, of course, if it doesn't turn out exactly like I want, it's probably because I did it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> probably so. so. Yeah. Well, um, speaking yeah. of diving into the deep end, that's what we got into with Jan and Marie on this interview. I think you mentioned it in the intro. I don't remember. I, Jan is the director of marketing and communications. Marie is the seller master for Isadier. So we got kind of both perspectives on the whole operation there. Talked a lot about them as a producer that is focused not necessarily on just cane juice or just molasses, but really is kind of, and I didn't know this, I knew they did both, but I didn't know that like the fact that they do both was such mm-hmm. a big part of their identity and philosophy. Right. Like it's not the case where they primarily do one thing and like a little bit of the other. It's like they really take a lot of pride in, in doing both and what that allows them to do in terms of blending and everything. So um, obviously we do talk a lot about the uh, releases that have come out through La Maison and Velier, both the two that arrived in the U.S. recently and the ones that preceded it in um, the EU, I believe. And also the, the releases, the standard releases they do there, how those differ uh, a little bit in their production process and all that good stuff. So it was great to learn more about Reunion. You know, having interviews with distilleries on Reunion is something that's been on our list for a while. So mm-hmm. it was good to go ahead and cross one of them off the list. Yeah, anything to add before we go over to the interview? Yeah, the only other things I thought were interesting is their tradition with rum orange, which yeah. they like to talk about and mm-hmm. have a whole kind of line of. And thought that was interesting to hear the backstory for that. And then the, the maybe the the teaser that we'll say towards the end of the interview that there was a product that I wasn't really aware of before we started to look at and research this that involves a release from all three of the top distilleries on Reunion Island. Right, and that was interesting to hear how that came together. Also, so a lot definitely of good, good threads to pull on in this one. Yeah, well, we'll take a quick break and go ahead and go over to the interview. Hey, Rumcasters. One thing Will and I have long begged for is smaller rum bottles. Sometimes it's nice to try a new rum without having to spend over 100 bucks on a full 750 milliliter bottle. But that's just one of the reasons why we're excited about a new independent bottler out of Boston called Raising Glasses. They've released their latest line of rums in 375 milliliter bottles that typically retail for less than $50. Raising Glasses' folklore line of rums currently has seven single cask releases, all over 57.5 ABV, and all featuring original artwork of a mythological creature from its country of origin. What origins might those be? How about Burning Cane, which is a cask-strength 15-year-old Foursquare, Moon Gazer, a 9-year-old 100% for sales wooden pot still from Guyana, or Guardians, an 8-year-old Trinidad that was named one of our top 14 rums of 2022. Their brand new releases include a 14-year from Venezuela, two 9-year-olds from Thailand, and the terrifying Yaoi, a 68.3% 16-year Australian beast that's one of the oldest rums ever released from the famed Bin Lee Distillery. These are all available for online ordering in 41 states and in retail stores in both Massachusetts and New York. So get them at RaisingGlasses.com before the Yaoi gets you. Now back to the show.
All right, we are here with Jan Aberval and Marie Ferrand. Uh, Jan is the Director of Marketing and Communications. Marie is the Cellar Master from the Isaudier Distillery in Reunion Island. And I wanted to tell you both, John and I have been talking about getting a distillery from Reunion on the podcast for a long time now. Yes. Um, we've been talking about Reunion rum for years and how many interesting rums come out of there. And this was the past couple of months, that was the time when we were like, okay, we're finally, we're, we're going to get a distillery from Reunion on the podcast. I had sent an email already to another distillery on the island and I was working on, I was trying to figure out who should I contact at Isaudier. And as I was doing that, I got an email out of the blue from Kate Perry who was saying, hey, you guys should really think about doing something with Isaudier. And she connected us to Jan, who then had the idea to bring Marie onto the podcast. So it's great. I always love when we can get someone from the production side of things and then someone also from, you know, marketing, sales, that kind of thing, because it's great to have both perspectives. So we're really excited to have you both on the podcast today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, so I wanted to start out, you know, it's always interesting to hear how people ended up working in rum. There's so many different winding paths people take to it. So I'd love to know what pulled each of you into this world and how you ended up at Isaudier. Marie, if you'd like to go first, and then we can go over to Jan. Okay. Um, well, so I've been working for Isaudier for 10 years now. But before that, I was not in the alcohol business. I'm a bioscience engineer. Oh, wow. I'm from La Réunion, but I studied in France mainland, and then I worked in Singapore. I actually worked a few years in the U.S. Okay. before coming back to La Réunion 10 years ago. And when I came back, I really wanted to work for a local company. That's what um, brought me to Isotier. And then what I really appreciate, that's on top of being a local company, it's a company with a lot of savoir-faire, a tradition that mm. we want to uh, perpetuate. And that's really what interested me in Isotier. When, when you were kind of deciding, I want to work for a local company, were there any other contenders? Did you almost not go into rum? Or was rum kind of like, was Isotier kind of, you know, the one option that really stood out to you? No, it really was the one option. Okay. Really, I, I, when I, I applied for the job, actually, I didn't apply for that particular job, but I applied for Isotier. And then during the interviews, I realized it was really a good company and that interested me. As I just said, the local company and the traditional knowledge really, really, really something that I liked. And that's why I chose Isotier. And Jan, what about you? What, what brought you into the world of rum? Actually, we have a, a lot in common with Marie because uh, I think we have the same uh, path back to La Réunion. Mm -hmm. So I'm from Réunion as well, but I've worked in France and I've been working like 15 years in the cosmetic industry, something uh -huh. uh, totally different, but working on, in marketing, of course, for heritage brands and legacy brands. And actually, the fact that brands have an history and have a know-how and a lot of legacy, this is something that was very important uh, for me. And uh, working in the in the cosmetics, I said myself that uh, if I had to change the industry, the spirits would be quite interesting. 
And actually, I came back to Reunion three years ago or two and a half years ago. So right after the first confinement, the first lockdown, mm -hmm. you know, I was in Paris, in France. And I said, OK, maybe now it's time to go back to, to my roots, to go back to my family and my origins. So I decided to go back to La Reunion. And actually, this also uh, fact that Isotier was a legacy brand with a lot of know-how of history that was very, very interesting for me. And I had the chance to meet with uh, Cyril, so the the GM of, uh, of the brand and the, the project that he had for the for this brand was uh, really appealing to me. So uh, that's how I came back to Reunion and working for Isotier uh, here on my on my my island actually. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a good example because we we now we like to bring Reunion out of Reunion to show the world about Reunion and that's exactly what 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 we are doing right now. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's and we're going to talk about the 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 two releases that you've done recently with La Maison mm -hmm. and Vellier, but I think that's been one of the exciting things for us being in the United States is, you know, I, I'm sure in France, reunion rum is a lot easier to find perhaps than in the US, but we don't get as many reunion rums over here in the US. So it was really exciting to see these two releases. I think probably the only time that I've seen a Saudier bottles in the United States before were these two releases. And so it's really exciting to see so many rum enthusiasts over here getting to know the distillery all at one time. And that's why I think it's it's great to have you both here right now. And you you, you really knocked the, the right door, I would say, because this is the oldest distillery in the yes. Indian Island. So yes. it was born in 1845. So we have 178 years of experience here on the island. <laughs> And the mission is really to be now the ambassadors for the island outside of our island. So, of course, you're right. It all started with France. But now we try to spread the word and maybe go even further in Europe, in the U.S. with this project with uh, La Maison Vellier. It's uh, amazing for us to uh, make people know more about our jewel. This is really the, the island. is really something that you should come to and visit uh, in the future if you have the the opportunity. <laughs> yes, it's on the list for sure. I know another guest of ours in the past, Eric Kay, who runs the independent bottler Holmes Key, he took a trip to Reunion maybe a year and a half or so ago mm -hmm. and, and posted some incredible pictures and just had great, great stories. Um, I'm sure he came by Saudier while he was there. But yeah, ever since I, I saw that, I was like, that's on the list for sure. Far, it's, a, it's far away, but I think it would be worth the journey. Agreed. <laughs> Jan, you mentioned the oldest distillery on Reunion, which is perfect because my next question had exactly to do with that. But before I ask it, I did want to recognize, for, for those of you who aren't able to see on Zoom right now as we're recording this interview, that they, Anna Marie, are in a the cellar, and there's a beautiful background of these horizontally aging rum barrels. That is really, really nice to see. It always that's that's one of my favorite places ever to go when I visit a distillery is into the cellar to see the smells and, and see all of that happening and in real time almost this this beautiful product coming together. So anyway, I wanted to ask, as the oldest distillery on Reunion, what do you think the distillery has learned about how to make rum specifically there on the island, including the terroir and the island's natural gifts that give the rum its own uniqueness? So, yes, the, the distillery was born in 1845, I've said. And actually, it was born thanks to two brothers who left France to join the island. And here, they fell in love with the island, with the landscape, and with sugarcane. And they started their the, the business with, with rum. 
And actually, they wanted to do some, at that time, they were doing um, so pure cane mm-hmm. juice, bro. Mm-hmm. But very quickly, you know, the, 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 the French mainland asked that a reunion was a provider for sugar. So they gave priority to uh, the production of sugar. And that's how we have the, the tradition of using molasses uh, mm-hmm. to make rum as well. And uh, really from the beginning, we were one of the only series to do both. So choke and juice, that, that was really the beginning, but also molasses rum. And this is something that we uh, are continuing today, being one of these uh, unique uh, distilleries to, to make both uh, type of rum uh, on, on reunion and even the world. That's pretty, uh, pretty uh, rare. Yeah, that's actually, that's something I've noticed. I know your distillery does molasses and fresh cane juice. There's, mm-hmm. it, it, I, I know I know at least one other distillery on the island does the same. And you, you don't necessarily see that in as many places, you know, throughout the the. Caribbean. There are some distilleries that do it, but it seems like it's very common in, in reunion. And so does it really just go all the way back to that that decision back in history to prioritize, you know, sugar production as well? And I, I'm, I'm guessing sugar production is still in, in full swing on the island. Yeah. yeah, that's really the history of the island. The um, sugar canes were introduced in the island at the beginning of the 17th century. Mm. And that's about when people just came to Reunion because before that it was a desertic island. Mm-hmm. And then in, at the beginning of the 19th century, then France decided that the island needed to produce sugar. Actually, it's when they lost uh, Mauritius and Haiti. They had different names at the time, mm-hmm. but they lost their sugar um, islands. So they decided that Reunion, which was called Ile Bourbon at the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, Bourbon, yes, that's I know. Our, that's <laughs> ironic, right, for us over here. I was telling <laughs> so Will that. Has, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Bourbon has to, had to become the, the sugar island. So that's when uh, the distilleries switched to molasses rum. But when I say switch, it's not correct because they also kept the pure juice cane rum making. So that's why there are three distilleries in the island and two of them are making sugar cane rum and molasses rum. Okay, so it's two out of the three. Okay. Maybe if you just also to, to, to have some figures in mind, Reunion, the size of Reunion and the, 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 the production of sugarcane is uh, you, you produce more sugarcane or Reunion than Martinique plus Guadeloupe um, wow. together. So you know really? that uh, for us uh, in uh, for the French rum, uh, French style rum and agricultural rum, Martinique and Guadeloupe, maybe you are more familiar with those kind of mm-hmm. rum. Yeah. But just for you to have in mind that in terms of surface and the production of sugarcane, if you take both, it's smaller than what we are doing on, on Reunion. So I think uh. that was the decision at that time to take the opportunity or advantage of this big island with a lot of sugarcane to make sure that we produce enough sugar that uh, were needed for the mainland uh, ranks. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's one point. And the other one is uh, we were born like this, but now we really, really like to be one of the unique distilleries to do both. And we play with this. We do uh, a lot. Of, we do home agricole. We do molasses rum. And we do a lot of blend. And actually, the, the, there is an infinite world uh, yes. between the two. And we can really, and that's the, the work of, of Marie, of course, to, uh, to show that there is no one better than the other. It's mm-hmm. really a question taste of how you like to rum and actually we can really play with the more uh, let's say a caramel or sweet part of a molasses and maybe more a vegetable vegetal part of the of the mm-hmm. the fresh skin and we can really really play with the with the two so that's an infinite possibility for us ahead 
Yeah, no, I, I think it's so fascinating. And, you know, it, it's interesting because if you go back through the history of Caribbean distilleries, there were many, you know, a long time ago who were, they would work with molasses, they would have sh- some fresh juice that they would use in their fermentations. And over time, there was kind of industry consolidation and distilleries, many of them specialized more in, you know, just molasses. Um, you know, they're kind of decoupled from the sugarcane fields because of industrialization. And now a trend that we're starting to see is a lot of those distilleries that have been doing, you know, exclusively molasses rum for a long time, they're finding ways, they're planting sugarcane and finding ways to incorporate fresh juice into what they're doing. And I, I think it's so exciting because as you were saying, there's so many you know, blends you can do that bring in right. different flavor profiles. And it's interesting that, you know, the whole time in reunion, you know, you've been you've been doing it all along. So I think that's fascinating. And, you know, one one thing I did want to talk about is you brought up Martinique and Guadeloupe and reunion is one of the few places outside the the Caribbean that can make rum agricole. I know there are a few others, but how would you compare rum agricole from reunion to places like Martinique and Guadeloupe? Because many Many of our listeners, especially those who are in the United States, you know, are very familiar with Martinique Rum Agricole, Guadeloupe Rum, rum Agricole. And I know Rum Agricole has many of the, you know, there's certain standards that regardless of where it's made, if it's made in Reunion or in the Caribbean, you have to abide by certain standards. But because the terroir is totally different, I would imagine there are some differences between a Rum Agricole made in Reunion and one in Martinique and Guadeloupe. So, for people who are less familiar with the rum agricoles of Reunion, how would you describe the, the differences? Yeah, I think before talking about the differences, of course, you have to say that agricole rum can be recognized because it has some common points. Mm-hmm. Um, vegetable scent, like mm, grass when you just cut grass or cut grass, sorry, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. better sugarcane fields when they have just been harvested. That's what you have in common all agricole rum. But I would say that in the Caribbean agricole rum, there's a scent that I have difficulty to put words on that, but that's how I recognize them. There's a kind of milk scent or um, like a melted butter, but mm. the good way that mm-hmm. because melted butter can be rank, it can be uh, <laughs> yeah. not a good thing. That's the good the melted butter. We, yeah, way yeah. of melted <laughs> yeah. butter that we don't have so much in the agricole rum in La Réunion, I think. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, in La Réunion, there's a yeast scent like bread, a okay. bread loaf mm-hmm. that you have in the agricole rum in La Réunion that, that you don't have or you don't have that much in the Caribbean agricole rum. Mm-hmm. And that's mm. for the white rum. Then when you talk about agricole old rum, then there are more differences. But this time it comes from the terra also, but also from the aging process that is different in plenty of ways. But I would say that the main difference are the barrels that we use because in La Réunion and especially in Isotier, we use French oak barrels and we use new barrels. The one that you see behind us okay. are new barrels and the rum stays in new barrels for a few months, sometimes more than a year, and then goes to old barrels. And even our old barrels, there are barrels that contain our own rum before, or for some of them, they contain cognac. 
So that's very different from the Caribbean agricole rum because they mainly used ex-bourbon barrels. So the product that was in the barrels before is different. They use only old barrels and the barrels for bourbon are very, very heated. They are black on the inside. The one that mm -hmm. we use are much less heated. So that ah. makes a very big difference at the end in the product. So when you taste an agricole rum 10 years old, agricole rum from the Caribbean or in Reunion Island, the taste will be very different. You'll have a more, I would say, woody taste on the Caribbean rum. Mm -hmm. uh, when in the rum from La Reunion, it would be, I would say, more delicate. Actually, right. that's my, my point of view. More so delicate with um, um, an, aroma, an aroma palette that's, uh -huh. that can be larger. So less maybe barrel characteristics than mm -hmm. Caribbean rum would have, and maybe the, the distillate shines through a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, that that came through to me in, in the 16-year the rum agricole release that La Maison Avelier did with you guys. You know, when I saw 16 years old aging in, uh, there it is, yes, yeah. aging in that kind of tropical weather environment, Sometimes, because I've had rums that are that old, that just, you know, the barrel just takes up, just takes yep. over too yeah. much, too yeah. oaked. And so I was a little worried if it would be over oaked for me, but it wasn't at all when I tasted it. I thought the balance of, of the distillate and the, the, the barrel was, was very nice. So that makes a lot of sense. So you, you, you start for a short amount of time in new French oak, and then you switch the rum over to used barrels, mostly used rum barrels, but also some used cognac barrels. That's correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So another difference um, is that in the Caribbean, the angel share is more mm. about 8%, when in Reunion is more between 4 to 5%. Oh, uh, okay. So also mm. like that is a big difference, yeah. Yeah. And, and where do the barrels come from usually? Do you have them come off island onto island, or you recycle a lot from what's there? No, but uh, they, they come from France mainland. Okay. We work with two barrel makers and we with them we decided the the heat that we wanted for the barrel. They were mm -hmm. designed specifically for for us. So every two years now we buy barrels from them and then those new barrels with time are becoming old barrels. And right. for the first one when in this cellar, because this cellar, the one we are in which we are right now, was built back in 2005. So at the beginning, we also bought some barrels which contained cognac before, but mm -hmm. we also bought them through the barrel maker with we, we work now. <laughs> so he select, he helped them, he helped us select those old barrels. I wanted to shift a little bit to talk about the, the distillery itself also. So I know that the, you have the current distillery in Saint-Pierre, I think, is built in 2011, 2011. But we know, as you mentioned, the history of Isotier goes back way longer than that. So I wanted to ask, in the process of moving now to a new distillery, how did that long tradition and your history inform the process of putting together this new distillery? And what, if anything, did you take from the old distillery and push over and still use today? 
Well, so first I have a correction. The okay. the current history he is um, in place since the 1960s. Um, the, Only off by a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I, I was wondering, 2011, what date is it? It's the date when the bottling plants, which is also part of Isotier, uh, with La Maison Isotier, it was install, installed right next to the current distillery. Okay, so um, it was the bottling plants. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But um, when um, Louis and Charles Isoutier, they installed the first distillery in Saint-Pierre, it was already in the south of the island in Saint-Pierre, but yeah. it was closer to the sea and more, I would say, downtown or what's downtown now. So in the 1960s, they moved to this area, which at the time was in the middle of the sugarcane fields and they had more space here and it was further, than, further from the town center. And at the time, what changed is that we now use a continuous column, but what we kept is the fermentation process. We still use open tank for fermentation. Gotcha. And do you uh, play with the fermentation times or it's pretty standard as a process? It's quite standard. We have two different times for the molasses rum, it's 24 hours. For okay. the alcohol rum, it's 35 hours. This we changed over time. Before that, it was 31st hours, but we decided with time that 35 hours was better for our rum. So yeah. right now for our two types of rum, that's the, the time fermentation that we use. And now we are starting to work on other products, other types of white rums that... and. For those, we could play with the fermentation ah, type. For our okay. two basic, I would say, that we stick with the 24 and 35 hours. Right. But there's some exploration going on there, it sounds like. And you're, you're figuring out maybe there's another long fermentation maybe time, something like that? <laughs> yeah, that's very early to say. But yeah, we're thinking <laughs> okay. of, of this type of products, yes. Our, our colleagues from Reunion are doing this kind of product as well. So yes. it's part of uh, what we call uh, indication geographic, so geographical indication reunion island. So we could do that in the future. Can uh, we can we can play? Yeah. Once again, uh, that's uh, the interest of working with this kind of product that we can do uh, so many things and change a lot of parameters and have something totally different. So that's very interesting. But back to your question about what we had before, actually. So Maria answered what she keeps on doing today, but it's very important for us as well to, to keep the history. And we have some historical tools that were used in the, in the past that are now in our museum because Maison uh, Isotier is also the, the, one of the main stakeholders of the uh, Rome Museum of La Réunion. It's called yes. La Saga de Rome. It's the only uh, museum in the island. And here uh, you can also discover what uh, a sugarcane meal that is unique in the world. So you can maybe have in mind that being so far from all users of any any uh, tool, uh, yes. when it comes to La Réunion, uh, so we had ordered, I think it was in the early uh, 20th century, this, this meal, and uh, it was not working well with the other equipment. So actually, we had some local engineers that had to find a solution to plug everything together. 
and it makes that this meal is unique and we like to call it like a piece of art. It, it was what we say in French, génie créole. So it's like a Creole engineering, let's say. Ah, okay. uh, because we have to find solutions when we are so far from everything. Right. You have to adapt and to make sure that what you have ordered, you cannot send it back. It's not uh, that simple. Today it's not simple, but at that time it was even more uh, difficult. And we have this kind of thing in the, in the museum. So we still pay tribute to what our colleagues in the past were doing right. in the in history. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the museum also because it sounds amazing, first of all, for anybody that visits that La Saga du Rhum, right? And in English, you know, Saga for us, I think, connotes something that is a very long history, a long story. I don't know if that translates exactly into French, but uh, it sounds like there is, right? So it's that's a really, I, I think it's an apt and cool name. And, and cool, did, you, thank did you. you say the the Rum Museum is the only museum on the island? Yes. So actually, when you go to Martinique, for example, you have mm-hmm. so many different distilleries, and uh, you can visit each distillery that will uh, tell you about their process, how right. they're making rum, etc. Yeah. Uh, but for us, uh, it was uh, the idea of the former uh, GM of the of the brand. They say, okay, we need to have a, a museum dedicated to the rum and the culture of uh, rum on the island and the link between rum and reunion people. Because what we often say, we say that on the island, because sugarcane is everywhere, uh, we have all someone in our family who is working with sugarcane. And we often say that we are all the uh, children of sugarcane. So that's why this link between uh, rum, sugarcane, and Kenyan people was very important to, to, but to, to to tell the story. We we had to tell this story and to uh, have a museum dedicated to this. And we, of course, explained the process of doing rum, how the sugarcane is is used, and some more uh, historical or cultural facts also Mm -hmm. that are very important for people really to understand why we are doing molasses rum today how we use the, the molasses from two sugar factories on the island, etc. And uh, something that is very important uh, as well, because we are doing a lot of, of rum, so molasses, and, uh, and we have also some other products uh, with rum, made of rum that has also linked to the culture on the island. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on the note of you know, rum culture in reunion, it, it, it's always interesting to ask about what that looks like, because I think how we experience reunion rum in, in the U.S. can often be very different from how, you know, locals experience rum. So mm-hmm. how I, I wanted to ask how prevalent is rum relative to other spirits on the island? My, my answer after hearing, all, I mean, my guess after hearing all of that is very prevalent. But what types of rum are people typically drinking? I, I know in, in Martinique, the, the, the tea punch is, is huge and, uh, you know, a big part of the culture. So is there a reunion equivalent? Is it also the tea punch? And in Reunion, what does all of that look like? So we have the equivalent of Tipos uh, in La Reunion, and it's called Calou, because uh, it's more uh, with molasses rum than with uh, agricole rum. Oh, but, uh, oh interesting. With, uh, sugar, uh, cane sugar, and, uh, and, and lime, so exactly the, the same. So it's very difficult to answer this question, because rum, of course, is everywhere, mm-hmm. but the reputation is not that that 
beautiful. Elevated. Uh, it won't have, you know, it's for a lot of people, it was linked with uh, slavery or with poverty. And uh, mm -hmm. today, uh, the, the really, that's also a mission that we have is to, to show that this is something interesting. This is something that is good. This is something that is complex, that every reunion people should be uh, proud of. Because of this link between uh, the, the, the sugar cane and the, and the rum, mm -hmm. but it's not that easy. So to answer your question, if you go uh, to uh, to eat with uh, someone uh, here, the the the, the, the tipons won't be uh, the first thing that we're gonna offer you. We don't like this, but uh, they will offer maybe a whiskey because uh, that's something that is coming from abroad, uh, right. and it looks like uh, that's something much more selective. And rum is much more for us something in-house that you don't want especially to uh, to show. But this is changing and that's the work we're doing with good products, of course, and uh, also to educate the people and to make sure that they understand the know-how behind and that, that they all become kind of ambassadors for us as well. So that's a long-term mission, but that's really, really important for us so that we can be as proud of our rum as the Martinique people are from theirs mm. or where people are from, from theirs. But there's something that is very, very important here and people are really proud of this tradition. It's what we call the rum arrangé. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's not the, 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 what we were talking about, the, the, the dark rum and the old rum. But still, uh, this is a, a tradition that you will find in every family on the island. They will take some white rum and uh, put some spices or herbs or fruits and let this macerate for a couple of weeks or months and they will offer this to their guests because that's really a tradition of hospitality and live together on the island. So this is a real tradition and very big, very important and everybody is proud of that. So now we need to have the same thing for white rum and dark rum to show that we can do plenty of things, that there's a vast, very versatile. We can do uh, many, many things with, with those spirits. Right. It's, it's great without fruit in it, too. Um, although, yeah, it's, 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 it's always really cool hearing about all the different rum orange co combinations. And that's a style of rum that I think was unfamiliar to a lot of Americans as well until a little bit more recently. We're starting to see more of those products come over. And I, I know that they have more availability in Europe as well. But Marie, I wanted to go back to the production process a little bit. You were talking about fermentation times, you know, relatively short fermentation. I think you said the same fermentation times for both molasses and cane juice. Um, no, 24 correct, hours correct for molasses wrong. and 35 hours okay, for... Okay, 24 hours for molasses and... Okay. So I wanted to ask, are there any other similarities or differences when you're making molasses rum versus cane juice? Because I know fermentation is one of the variables, but then you also have distillation. So does distillation look the same? Are, are you changing some of the parameters of how you do that? What does it look like after fermentation? Yeah, we, we change the parameters. Uh, so at Izochi, we use the same equipment to do both types of rum, mm -hmm. but we don't do them at the same time. When the season began, and it for us, it began a few weeks ago, it began, it began at the end of July. We start with making molasses rum, and then in the middle of the season, we switch to agricultural rum. Mm -hmm. And then we go back to molasses rum until the end of the season, which is around mid-December. So we use the same equipment, the same fermentation tanks, and the same column. But 
we change the parameters. So I already told about the fermentation uh, yeah. duration length for, for fermentation. And for distillation, the, we have two main differences. The first one is that for molasses one, we do some extractions. We remove some of the fusel oils and other compounds. Okay. Uh, not all of them, but we remove a few of them and we taste the rum on a daily basis to, to have it set correctly. And this we don't do with agricultural rum. We keep everything for agricultural rum. And the second point is the distillation degree. For agricultural rum, we about, we distill the rum at 72% alcohol. Mm. When for molasses rum, we distill it at around 89%. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's yeah, a, that's, that's a significant difference. Yeah. And then hmm. in terms of aging, you you talked about kind of the the cooperage, the barrels that you're using. Do you tend to age both molasses and rum agricole the same way? Yeah, we do. We start uh, the same way with new barrels, and then we switch to old barrels. But we taste the rum. We don't say, okay, we'll leave it six months in new barrels and then we switch to old barrels. I taste them before changing mm -hmm. and I tend to leave the molasses rum longer in new barrels before moving it to old barrels. But okay. it just depends right. on the on the taste. But it seems that it goes quicker for agricultural rum than for molasses rum. But yeah. that's also because we have another specific thing that we do here is that we put the rum in barrels right, not right after, but the rum that comes out from the column, we put it this way in the barrels, meaning that for molasses rum, we put it in the barrels at 89 degrees, which is very high. Wow, but yeah. Because we have a very long aging process, that is a good point for us. But that's also why we leave the, the rum in new barrels quite a long time. Because when the alcohol degree is high, then the exchanges with mm -hmm. wood and, uh, and the air with oxygen will be slower than if it's a little bit lower. So I, I wanted to ask a little bit more about the La Maison and Velier releases. Jan, you held up the bottle earlier. And we've had a chance, by the way, Will and I, to try both of those, and they're they're very nice. And one thing that's interesting is as much as we're talking about some of the differences here, and there are, when you taste them, certainly differences as well, you can also tell they're cousins, right? Or they're, yes. they're, they're related. They're, there's certainly something there that, that binds the two of them together. So I, I thought that was very interesting. So I wanted to ask, how did those two releases come about and how did that process come together for, for getting them to market? And then really is how did you settle on those two rums being the rums that were brought over? So it all started like in 2021. So when I, I told you the mission for us now is to leave the island and to uh, spread the world and try to uh, find some new markets. And those starts with France. In France, it's very, very popular for our rum arrangé. But it was not uh, super popular for the old rums. Mm -hmm. And we had to find a new distributor for the French market. And actually, we met with La Maison du Whisky. And when we met the, 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 the team, they said, oh, that's amazing. We want really to have the, the, the product. The quality of the product is amazing. We need to do some uh, releases. And uh, we will introduce you to Luca Gargano. Mm -hmm. And actually, we met with Luca. 
and uh, it was uh, about Shinoluka. The, the <laughs> He's a very animated Shinoluki. person. Uh, yeah, Jan's yeah. waving his hands all around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Italian, you know? Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but actually, uh, the, 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 it's, fun, it's, it's really the, the, the culture that he, that he has about Rome. He has an own collection, and uh, yeah. he told us, to Isotier, that he had some bottles from uh, the 50s uh, in uh, his oh, wow. uh, private collection. So that was amazing. And he said, yes, of course, I've, uh, I want to do something uh, with you. And actually, Marie has selected some samples to show what we are doing. So different types of molasses and different uh, age. And we sent those uh, samples to Luca and to uh, La Maison du Whisky. And we had like two first releases in uh, 2021 for the French market, or at, at least for European market, mm -hmm. with La Maison Bélier. So the, that's how it started. So those were two single casks, and they were revealed during the Whiskey Live Fair in Paris in uh, September 2021. Yes. And after that, so it was like 300 bottles each. And at that time, it was the two oldest casks that we had in the, in the cellar. Uh, so it's really the story of what we were doing, the, the, the best, what we, we could do with our own philosophy of aging that uh, Marie explained earlier. And after that, of course, a lot of people were quite frustrated not to have the bottle. So we decided to do another one. It was a small batch, so a little more quantity. And this was uh, released in uh, early 2022. And at the same time, the La Maison Evelier team said, oh, guys, uh, we really think that you, you, you need to go uh, even further. And uh, maybe the U.S. market can be uh, very, very uh, interesting for you. But you need to find the, 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 the project and some products for the deep market. And that's how we were introduced to Kate. Kate Perry, mm -hmm. and actually we sent out some samples to her via Paris, of course, and she was super excited and she said, oh, guys, I want to do something. And she selected actually the two rums that we have released this year on the, on the market. Ah. So it, it all starts with uh, Marie, actually, because uh, she uh, chooses uh, what uh, are the products that are ready to go. We try uh, for those projects to have like uh, evil single cask or small batch, so you don't have really blending at that time. Right. But still, the selection of the degree, the, 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 the ABV, etc., this is what we can uh, uh, discuss with the partner and yeah. in that particular project with Kate to make sure that we decide the best way of enjoying the, the product. But Marie is really involved with the, in, this, in this part as well, of yeah. course. I was going to ask Marie, when Kate says, okay, we want to do two, we want to do a cane juice and a molasses release, did you go, yes? Or were you hoping <laughs> yeah, for one yes. or the other? Or <laughs> yeah, really, because as Jan said before, we really like to, we are proud of doing both, and we really like to have both as a comparison and not mm -hmm. saying that one is better than the other. That's what right. Jan said, but it's very important for us, especially, I'm not sure that in the US you have the same, the same thing, but in France, there's kind of a competition between the yeah. Caribbean agricultural rum and the Iranian molasses rum. And mm. I, I, we really don't, don't like this, this kind of useless yeah. conflict. There's, there's room it's, enough it's, in the world for all useless, of that rum, yeah. I agree. A kind yes. of terroir. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, it, uh, we were really in Excited when they when she chose two rum and molasses rum and agricultural rum. I think yeah. that really makes sense for us. But you know, of course, we're super proud. And uh, when we have this kind of authority in the rum industry that I 
interested in, in your room. It's uh, super interesting for us, of course, this advocacy that we have around the brand and that, that's very, very important. But on the other hand, we have a very small seller because mm. here we are inside, but uh, yeah. just for you to know, it's 450 cats. Oh, okay. 60, we bought as well. So it's very small. So we, we need to protect this because yeah. uh, you know that uh, those cats that are 16 years old, Right. When they are out, they, they, there's nothing left. So that's how we also need to pick and choose the right partners. And yes. of course, for this one, it was a no-brainer. This is a very important. And actually, the, the, the story, the, the writing itself, and we're super, super happy of what's happening now. Yeah, I was going to mention that they're both 16-year releases, right? Age 16 years, one cane juice and one molasses. And I think we've already heard a lot of people are buying both just because of the experience of being able to try and experience both of them together in that way and, and see you know, some of the differences and things like that. I, I'm going to ask something that I think is a challenging question here for you <laughs> because I think there are some people out there who they might either not have access to both or they can't afford both bottles do you have one, or h let's put it this way, how would you help that person decide which of them they're going to buy, a cane juice or the molasses, if they didn't have a chance to try it first? Oh, that's the that Depends on the person. I, I, I think I have course, to discuss yeah. with that person to know its taste, because the molasses rum has this typical freshness that I really like in the molasses rum, even after 16 years in the aging cellar. It has yeah. this... But this one in particular, this mint scent and this aromatic herb scent and taste combined with sweetness and fruitness. When the agricultural rum has this typical vegetal mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. And for this one, there's a kind of, um, I think, caramel taste. So it depends. If the person likes freshness or more something like sweetness, sweetness yeah, I, will, I can guide him through molasses one but then if it's somebody that's used with uh, for example only caribbean agricultural rum then i would say uh, then buy the arenian uh, agricultural rum so that you can compare yeah uh, yeah it's a tough one it is a tough one i think and so what i'm hearing from you though is you get molasses side is a little bit more of the typical sweetness you would expect from a molasses based rum right <laughs> mm -hmm. whereas the yeah. cane juice varietal you you still have that that uh fresh Agricole, there's something of that in there, even at that 16-year aging, and that, that that's where you'd kind of lead people based on their experience with agricole to start with. Is that yes, fair? Yes, okay. and that, that's that's a very good point because it's very important for Isotier, the choice of the barrels, the choice of the uh, light heating. We really want to be able to taste the white rum in our dark rum. Yes. We don't want to lose them I agree, and 100%. have them overwhelmed yeah. with the wood. We really want to keep this white characteristic and then mm -hmm. add some others. And that's very, very important for us. If you were with us today, and if I would have done the, the tasting session with you guys, he would have started with the white rum. Yes. Uh, have good. Said, oh, yes. yes. Pick yeah. the white rum here, and then we'll have the five years, 15 years, whatever. Yes. But you need to compare. That's really important in the philosophy and what we want to do. And that's very important that we insist on this, that even after 15 or 16 years, we still have the, the raw material that is still super present in the, in yeah. the juice. Right. We're on the next plane over. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, I, and John, I'm I'm glad you brought up um, John. John and I, we hit, we've both tasted both of the releases, but we hadn't had a chance to talk about them together. And I had the exact same takeaway that you did, John, which is that there are clear differences between the molasses-based rum and the rum agricole. But there's this really interesting, just kind of signature, I guess. You can tell that mm-hmm. they came from the same place in a mm-hmm. really interesting way. And that's one of the things that I enjoyed the most about them. But Maria, I love what you said about wanting to be able to taste the white rum in the dark rum, because so often we have conversations with rum enthusiasts. And sometimes it, I, I feel like it takes people a long time to find the aged rum agricoles that they really enjoy. Because sometimes a common complaint that I'll hear from people, and this isn't aimed necessarily at a single distillery or, you know, a single origin or anything, but people will say that cane juice rums, they lose that kind of freshness a lot of times when they age, you know, past a certain point. And every now and then you'll find those aged cane juice rums that manage to still capture some of that freshness in there, yes. um, but bring in, you know, the barrel and, and the great things from aging. And that's one of the things that I think this this release did really well that I enjoyed about it. But one thing I wanted to ask was, I know these these releases that you did with La Maison and Vellier are, I'm assuming, much different in style than the typical rums that, that you release through your own bottlings. I know you mentioned you do a lot of blending, a lot of bottles that feature both sugarcane juice rum and molasses rum. So I just wanted to ask, you know, how much do these releases that came in through La Maison and Vellier, how much do they differ from typical releases that you do? Well, I would say that it's kind of the, the, the thing you were saying between the agricultural rum and the molasses rum. For our releases, uh, you'll find that they are different, but you'll still find the Isotier signature, as we say, because that's the, really the aging process that, we, uh, that all our, of our rum goes through that gives this signature. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for our releases, we do a little bit more uh, blending, but not too much also. I would say that for blending in general, I will mix maybe two rums, sometimes four, but no more. Okay. Uh, it can be uh, maybe surprising, but we really mm-hmm. take care about the rum since it goes through the... In, at the time, it, well, first, we really take care of having a good white rum again. Agricole and molasses rum. We selected the the one that have a lot of character to the one the one that we put in the barrels are the one that have the more uh, character. And then we really take care of following the aging process very precisely. So at the end, we are happy with I would say all the barrels. So we like to mix some of them, but not so much. Only for um, blending when we want to blend molasses rum and agricole rum, when we want to mix different ages also. Sometimes we, we put a younger rum with an older rum mm. to, to, to do some blending, but we, want, we don't have to put 40 barrels together to have the taste that we are expecting. It's always interesting to me to hear kind of the philosophy behind blending. And I wanted to ask you, Marie, do you do you typically start with an idea of what you want to create before you start tasting rums? Or 
do the ideas come from tasting rums first and then thinking, oh, this might go well with this? Or do you start with, with having a, an end point in mind? What does that process look like? In general, I work more with, I know what I have in the barrel, so I know the, the taste of the rum. And from them, I decide, to, I decide what I want to do with them. In general, that's how I work. After that, we, we have some range that, for example, we now have a five-year-old rum, which is a blend of agricultural rum and molasses rum. We have a seven-year-old rum that is 100% molasses rum, and we have a 10-year-old rum, which is 100% agricultural rum. Mm. So now that you have that range and that's settled and that you want to continue it, then I have to work to, to still have the same five years old rum with the same taste. Mm-hmm. So that's when I work the other way around. So I, I need a little bit of help as an American who will mention we're starting to see rum arrangé arrive here a little bit uh, and rum aromatic, but I don't know a whole lot about those. And I was hoping, I, I saw on your website, you have rum arrangé, you have rum aromatic, and my pronunciation of those are probably terrible. But how are those typically used there? Are there major differences between them? And can you clear that up a little bit for me? Sure. So thank you, uh, because you are super curious, and I will answer your question. Uh, actually, uh, aromatic for us is a, is a name of a range of the rum arrangé. So for us, it's not two different uh, I see. Okay. Of products. Everything is called arrangé. And that's what I, I, I told you earlier. So that's a tradition or reunion in every family that you're going to do your own recipe. So you take white rum, you put spices, herbs, and fruits. And actually, every family has a different recipe. And it's a secret that is a super protected and that you want to keep. You don't want the other one to know about. But Isotier, back in the 1970s, I wanted to make this more popular and uh, the, we have launched some, uh, uh, what we would say, kind of industrial. And uh, in the early 2010, we've launched, this, we've launched this outside of Reunion on the French market and it became super popular in France. So that's where we are number one brand. We are really the leading brand in, in Romaranger, but we have our, our own way of doing Romaranger that we think is the best. It's really that we are working with some reunion ingredients. So we have ginger, for example, we have lychees, we have vanilla, the best vanilla in the world is coming from reunion, right? We have uh, different other ingredients. So we're going to do ourselves our infusion. Let's macerate the vanilla in the white rum. Mm -hmm. And when we think it's ready, we're going to filter everything and we're going to blend to do the final recipe. And uh, all the bottles that we are selling at Isotier are free from uh, any fruits or, or wood inside. So nothing's so floating in the, in the uh, bottle. Yeah, we, we think that this, the risk is that you have a kind of over maceration over time and uh, maybe the taste won't be that stable over time. So that's why I we see. are removing it. And the quality you can have from the first drop to the last drop, the same taste and the same quality of the product. Right. So this uh, is the way we are doing arrangé. So we have in our range some arrangé. That's a product that are at 40% ABV. And we have launched for us our what we call aromatics. And this is a more like the, the 
the, the, the white rum with some uh, fruit juices. So pineapple, for example, or passion fruit with some sugar. So 100% natural and the ABV is lower. It's like 24, 24%. But the, the, the okay. philosophy behind it is the same. So that's really mixing some white rum with something else to create this recipe. Right. Got it. Okay. Um, there's one more thing I wanted to ask about that I found particularly interesting as we were researching Esotier. And that is that there's a brand out there in Reunion, or at, how you say it, it was a Reunion? Did I say that better? La Reunion? I, I got closer, I think. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. I'm working on it. It's called Rum Charette. And I saw that it is produced as a collaboration between three, the three rum distilleries there on Reunion. I wanted to ask, just in general, can you talk about that some and how much is Esotier involved with that? So Rome Charette is definitely the most popular rum or brand on the island. And uh, it was born in uh, 1972. And uh, as you said, it's a kind of collaboration between all the distilleries in the island. So... It's great. Was called, it's called GIE in French. I don't know uh, how you would say in English, but uh, actually at that time, so in 1972, uh, the uh, custom uh, authorities, let's say, they wanted to make sure that they can track all the rum production on the island. And mm -hmm. at that time, people were buying uh, rum directly at the distillery, but the quantities, you could never track them uh, correctly. So they decided that uh, all the rum should be sold in a bottle. And uh, that's where the, this uh, GEU, so this group, was uh, created. And uh, they asked that all distilleries would deliver their rum to this group. And the group will blend everything and mm. uh, deliver in a bottle so that we can track the quantities uh, uh, exactly. And uh, so that's how it was born. So at that time, I don't know how many distilleries there were. Now, I mean, in, after years and years, uh, some distilleries have disappeared. So now it's only three of us doing the same work. So uh, delivering uh, part of our production to this uh, uh, group so that they can uh, create. And uh, Rome Charette, actually, the name, so Charette is like a cart, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the bottle, actually. Yeah. On the bottle, you can see like a beef that is holding some cane to the factory, I don't ah, know. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, and actually, the, this in French is called the charrette. I think it's like a car or, or, yeah, or yeah. a car or a coach, I don't know. And that's how people were referring to this bottle. So they're saying, oh, yes, uh, we want a bottle of charrette. And uh, it became the name of the brand afterwards. So now we are three big distillery or in industrial distillery on the island. Uh, Isotier is the oldest one, but the smallest one, which is uh, doing a white rum in the northeast of the island. And we have uh, Rivière du Mar, uh, who is doing a uh, rum in the mm -hmm. east of the, of the island. Mm -hmm. So in terms of, of quantity or proportion, we are the smallest part of this uh, rum charrette. The biggest one will be a Savannah, and the second will be a Rivière du Mar. Well, I was I was going to ask. Uh, my next question is going to be maybe a controversial question. I was going to ask whose rum stands out the most in Rum Charette. Who's which distillery can you taste the most when you try Rum Charette? Um, but it's maybe I think this changed over the years because, ah. as Yann said, it's again a historical fact that mm. we have this Charette rum. So the proportion changed over right. time. And then also the, um, the rum from the, the distilleries 
changed over time. As I said, at the beginning, there were more than three distilleries that were put in the Charitron. Now right. there are only three, but then again, the proportion between the three changed. Mm-hmm. And the rum from three distilleries changed over years also. Right. There was a huge progress, I think, in the white rum in Reunion Island for the last, I would say, 20 to 30 years. So yeah. the, the, the Charret rum also changed a lot. But people in La Reunion, they knew Charret. I would even say the taste can change. The, it, it's not a problem for, for them that you say Charret rum, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. It's almost like a little... Reunion rum time capsule as you yeah. as you go through the years. I kind of I wish I wish every country had something like this. I, I, was, saying, <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. I think that is so novel and communal. You know, it's really really cool to see all the distilleries coming together to produce this. It's fantastic. I, yeah. I hope at some point, yeah, that we can get over there, Will, and we can try that. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jan and Marie, we've we've been through nearly all the questions that we wanted to get to. We do have one last segment on the Rumcast, kind of a bonus round of questions dreamed up by my co-host, John. <laughs> we call it the rapid fire round. And the goal is John asks a bunch of very quick questions that have short answers to them. It's kind of like the first thing that you think of when you hear when you hear the question. And John, I know we've we've done this before where we've had two guests on at the same mm-hmm. time. And I think you have different strategies for how to deal with that. So what what how would you suggest we approach this with with both Jan and Marie? So I, I yeah, this is a good question. I think if there's something that you have an answer for, please jump in. But I'm going to try to say the first few we're going to ask for both of you to answer. And then maybe I'll ask one of you for some of the other questions. But if I do that and you have a good quick answer, feel free to jump in. <laughs> so, clear as mud. <laughs> Are you up for it? Let's go. All right. Okay, great. Yes. Great. Yes. All right. So what I'm going to do is we put a very generous 60 seconds on the clock. Very generous 60 seconds. So, uh, John, I have it ready to go. And are, are you ready to jump in? Let's go. All right. I've got 60 seconds and go. All right. For both of you, neat or on the rocks? Neat. On the rocks. Oh, okay. All right. Column, pot, or blend? Column. Column, Column for that. both of you? Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. This is a tough one. Aged or unaged rum? What's your preference? Aged. Aged. Okay. Oh, okay, we agree and this now. Is, yeah, this is probably the toughest one right here I have. We always <laughs> ask this, but it's particularly tough this time. Molasses or cane juice? Molasses. <laughs> and Jan? Uh, so I would say uh, cane juice. But Okay, oh, okay. okay. Hey, okay. that's good. All right, I, I'm probably going to mispronounce, but tea punch or kandu? Kandu, kandu. Kandu. It's got to be. Okay. All right. <laughs> Marie, your favorite rum not made in Reunion, Mauritius, or Martinique? Outside of those three places, do you have a favorite rum? Um, difficult. I like Mangay. Oh, okay. Ah, so do Great we. choice. Okay. All right. Uh, Jan, what person has taught you the most about rum over time? Marie. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Excellent. All right. For either one of you. Uh, does it really make you cringe when you hear a non-French speaker pronounce the label is Isotier? That's <laughs> <laughs> okay for us because we're not part of the family. working. They might be. All right. So just don't uh, do it around a family member. We got it. Got it. 
Um, Jan, what is the best time of year to drink rum arrangé? The, the best time of the year? Yes. Or a yeah, holiday. Like every day. Yeah. Every day. Every day. <laughs> Jan is like, what kind of question is that? Every day. I mean, what? <laughs> so we, we mentioned that you call a molasses base a rum traditional or a rum industrial, right? And then you call the cane juice a rum agricole. So when you blend them, is it fair to call it a rum industrial? <laughs> no, yeah, that's a much better name. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, and we blend it, yes, actually. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no, no, because actually we're doing a lot of, of blending between uh, white rum and, uh, oh, no, sorry, um, agricole and, uh, and molested rum. We have created a brand that is called uh, Agent Double, so Double Agent. And our double agent range is really the 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 the, the, the range where we can play with uh, the proportion between uh, the two and show the impact of one of the other on the taste. So go. we have really this friends last year. We have the double agent number one and double agent number two, and they are do they are both like sixty five percent of one and thirty five percent of the other. So we have a, a mirror effect so that you can compare the one that has 65% agricole and 35% what I see. One that is the other way around. So this wow. double agent is really a philosophy for us for the, for the future. Well, first of all, that's a much better name than Industrial. <laughs> and second of all, put me down for a bottle of 007 because <laughs> I want that one for sure. Yeah, uh, so I was right. the Roman found the name. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And finally, besides great rum, Reunion Island is known for its famous volcano, Piton de la Funes, which is yes. considered one of the world's most active volcanoes. Yes. Is this active because every now and then it gets a little bit of a sautier rum thrown in there, or is that a thing? <laughs> Does, do we do we ever play with that, or is that a bad idea? Yeah, we have we have arrangé, which is called volcanic, actually. Oh, there you go. You see? Yeah. It all comes together. Perfect. All right. All right. That's time. That's time. one you know, with uh, some chili inside. So there's ah, really this okay. kind of, ah, effect of eruption, let's say, in your, in your mouth when you taste it. That's really, really good. You, you should definitely try it. But uh, yes, that's one of the most active volcano. It's active. Oh, it just stopped two days ago. It has been uh, active. Oh, wow. For, uh, and, uh, and we are really on the slopes of this volcano. It's just uh, behind this, uh, you know, you see this barrel, like uh, 20 kilometers away, you have the volcano. <laughs> oh, now I'm nervous. Now I'm nervous. <laughs> right? <laughs> We gotta, we gotta get this rum, all of it, soon. We've yeah. gotta buy it all. So make sure, yeah. Well, that's great. The, the, the rum is lava, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Yana Marie, thank you for humoring us with, with that segment. Really appreciate you both taking time on a Saturday to uh, take us yeah. inside the, the cellar and tell us all about Isadier rum. Uh, before we let you go, is there anything we didn't get to, anything that you want to share with, with listeners before we wrap things up? Yeah, I think it's good. Uh, thank all. you for having us. That's, as, as we said, uh, we we want to uh, to to, to the, the brand and the the, the product, the rums, to uh, go uh, over in it to, to to conquer the world. So uh, we were super happy, and uh, it's another Poland. It was a Saturday for us at all, and we really enjoyed our time. At least I enjoyed my time with you guys, <laughs> and I think I'm looking forward to uh, to see the the results. Uh, 
and the uh-huh. and the, the interview uh, yes. when it's ready. No, we had a great time, and I'm. It's it's really cool. You know, we're starting to see more and more reviews of the the two rums yes. that were released in the U.S. pop up. So it's really great to get to see people experiencing this distillery for the first time, and it was a treat yeah. for us to get to experience it as well. So I really well, want to get my hands on some of those those, those blends that you were talking about, though. Those sound those sound yes. really interesting. That's that's really. Uh, I hope that's the, the only the beginning for us on the on the U.S. market. We have plenty of other products, and uh, yes, we will see how it, it goes from there. But uh, we haven't talked about uh, the range that we have that is dedicated to uh, very important people in the history. We have uh, some uh, new apposé. We have plenty of uh, projects. So maybe that will be uh, a new episode of the wrong <laughs> cat in the shoot. Part yeah, two. definitely, definitely. We'll we'll get Kate on the phone and tell her that we need more, and uh, she can she can help figure out how to bring some more of that over here. Hopefully, <laughs> perfect. Sounds great. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Rumcast. If you want to learn more about Saudier, we will put up some links in the show notes to their website and uh, anything else interesting that we can find, we'll throw in there as well. But as always, thanks so much for listening. If you have thoughts of these two Asadia releases, or maybe you've tried more, maybe you've tried the multi-distillery reunion blend that we talked about at the end, would love to hear your thoughts on those. So as always, you can send us an email, host at rumcast.com, that's H-O-S-T at rumcast.com, or you can send us a message on social media. John, where can they find us there? Yeah, we're at the Rumcast on Twitter, or now X, also on... Instagram, as well as Facebook. You can find us there and you can leave some comments. There was a lot of great comments and back and forth for some of the lazy cocktails that people made recently and just people bouncing things off of one another. And that was really cool to see. So yeah, join the conversation, get involved, get engaged on social media, or like Will said, give us an email. I want to know more about smoked rum cocktails, of course, like we said in the intro. So yeah, let me know. What what am I going to try to make here? Let me, let me go into that deep end and I will, I will figure it out as I go through. So I'm just looking for fun stuff to do with it. I've had it now, Will, for more than a year, so I need to get with it. Just collecting dust. Right? So I've got uh, lots to to work on, and I need some help. So, yeah, let us know. Um, Yeah, and I'm uh, looking forward to this weekend, the Deferred National Rum Day celebration and birthday celebration. So that'll be a fun one, and we'll do a virtual cheers to everyone. Yeah, and on behalf of all the Rumcast listeners out there, a happy early birthday to you and um maybe on your actual belated birthday celebration I'll, I'll also send you a happy belated birthday celebration text but until uh next time enjoy your special national rum day celebration cheers cheers